Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we check in with our sports director, Kelly Moore, as Winnipeg Jets training camp is underway. He gives us a full report from what he saw on day one at the Iceplex. We'll also talk to Westman Athletic Director Dave Crook. The Duckworth Challenge is back. University sports are back. And we've got a new weekly series profiling Westman athletes, so we'll talk about all that on the podcast. Our eyes and ears in the Iceplex today. The sports director of 680 CJOB, Kelly Moore. Kelly, how did it feel to be in the arena watching hockey today? Well, you know, we had a couple of days at the pro mini camp there last week too, is kind of a, a warm up. But Christian, and this should come as absolutely zero shock to anybody. Uh, the uh, just the difference in the tempo, in the skill level of uh, the Jets' main group uh, was was clearly perceptible, even when they were split into two separate groups and they had about half Jets, half uh, likely Moose uh, skating in two separate groups. But as soon as they came together and blended into one group, boy, that's when the, the tempo really picked up. And that was the other thing, too. Uh, Paul Maurice and his coaching staff wasted no time in getting this thing going. Everything was done at a high tempo right from the get-go. There was no, you know, kind of handling the puck and, you know, easy drills to ease into it. Man, they just went after it right off the, the hop. And, and it ended with a pretty uh, uh, entertaining scrimmage. I missed a good chunk of that because I had to go outside of the facility had to talk to Jim Toth. Uh, and so I missed the uh, uh, the shootout goal that everybody Cole was Perfetti. talking about that was scored by Cole Perfetti. Yeah, darn it. That's okay. Uh, Murata Tesh has a video of that in his article recapping day one if, if y'all want to go check that out after our conversation here is done but uh no. just the the intrigue of training camp is is partially because we you know we haven't seen a full real camp for this team in a, in a while last year was a very limited abridged version there was no preseason. we get an actual kind of real normal go of things here right did it feel normal yes it did yeah, it sure did, because there were even fans in the stands, Christian. So, you know, that helped create a little bit more of that uh, normal type of ambiance. As, as Paul Maurice said during his media veil, really about the only thing uh, that made you think, oh, okay, uh, it's not quite normal, is all of us uh, uh, who were there for the media veils, we have to be masked up. Uh, so, you know, there's the, the coach and, and, and the players, you know, they're talking to us uh, while we're uh, all wearing masks, as is the mandate by uh, the government of Manitoba when you're inside a facility. And, of course, a, a part and parcel with that is True North Sports and Entertainment. But other than that, Christian, I mean, it, it, and it felt so damn good, if I can say that, <laughs> to have face-to-face conversations with the players. As you've heard, and I'm sure mm-hmm. shared with some of the audio, there were some great exchanges today. Those yeah. never, ever happened during Zoom calls, or or if they did, they were extremely rare. Uh, but just the... The chance to have, you know, face-to-face conversations. I don't know, some of my colleagues, you know, it's Zoom, it's one at, uh, question at a time. And whereas, uh, you know, in this setting, if uh, one of the fellows uh, is on a real good roll, you know, let him roll with the questions. You know, he, <laughs> he, he's he got a purpose in mind. So uh, I, I hope that uh, people appreciate uh, that there will, I think there will be a difference even from that aspect. But uh, it's all about the hockey. And uh I think we saw 
a lot of what this Winnipeg Jets hockey club will look like on opening night on uh, October the 13th in Anaheim. Well, we played the clip earlier. You asked the question to Blake Wheeler about how balanced the team looks on paper, and he basically said paper schmaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had yeah. to put a little bit of editing in his clip because he's yes. a colorful language. <laughs> but it just goes to show you that as the captain of this team, they're not looking too far ahead. They're pumping the brakes. We can say that, yes, this team looks maybe better than any team they've had since they went to the West Final, but they're not getting ahead of themselves here. No, and and how I asked that question, Christian, was last week your head coach said this was the most balanced club uh, that he's had in his tenure. Your tenure extends even beyond that because Blake's one of the original two now, I think. He and Mark Shifley, I believe, are the only remaining well, Brian players. Technically still. Brian Little's on the roster, but I'm talking about guys who are actually, yeah. you know, playing right now. I think are the only two left uh, from October uh, the uh, what yep. was it? The October the ninth of 2011. So you know, uh, and and so that's how the question was was uh, couched. I wasn't uh, suggesting that he follow along in the minds of the media or fans, right. but but you're right, Christian. I and I loved his answer. I really did, uh, because as he said, you know. Uh, 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 what, what a club looks like on paper is basically toilet paper. And so uh, let's let's prove it on the ice. And I think as a Winnipeg Jets fan, that's what you'd love to hear uh, from the team captain and the players. So another thing I noticed uh, following along online today was, I guess, Brendan Dillon throwing his weight around early. What was that like? Yeah, he, <laughs> he wasted no time uh, in the battle drills asserting himself, and that's exactly the kind of player he was advertised as a Christian. And uh, certainly on day one, uh, he, he made sure that he was going to be uh, as billed. And I, I would suggest that will only get ramped up when it's uh, against players who are wearing a different type of jersey. But, uh, I mean, let's face it, uh, as I mentioned, they – the coaching staff wanted these guys to get into it right away. So Brendan Dillon thought, hey, I might as well just uh, uh, step up and show a little physicality here. Now, uh, I, and again, I did not see this, uh, but uh, there were uh, multiple colleagues uh, uh, that were reporting that Dylan Samberg uh, was involved in a little bit of a, a board battle with Jonathan Kovacevic, his uh, Manitoba Moose teammate. And, and fell awkwardly, and I was able to get back into the arena. I saw Dylan uh, sitting off of the timekeeper's bench at the Assiniboine Credit Union rink, and uh, he did not come back out on the ice for the rest of the drills. Uh, he was on the ice. Uh, you know, he didn't go to the dressing room right away. Uh, but uh, afterwards, uh, Paul Maurice said he'd, uh, you know, probably have a little bit more information on Sandberg uh, tomorrow. But the key thing there is, Christian, uh, and, and Paul said this last week and he reiterated it today, uh, the preseason is going to be uh, for a long, hard look at a lot of the top prospects. Dylan Sandberg fits into that category. So, you know, you only hope uh, that whatever uh, injury that he suffered uh, this morning, that it's not too serious and it won't keep him out of the lineup too long because uh, obviously you'd want to see what he can do under game conditions uh, uh, because uh, there will be a next man up as much as we think that and, and know that this defense is set. <laughs> we also kind of know that injuries are a part of a long National Hockey League season, too. If uh, uh, you believe that the six defensemen 
that the Winnipeg Jets start the season with will play all 82 games. You know, I've I, I've got a condo that's owned by Christian O'Mell that I can sell to you. Yeah, for a, a bit of an upcharge for sure. So, oh um, yes, yeah. I'm I'm looking ahead at uh, just what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. Important to remember, Kelly, that. When, we're, when it comes to line combinations and what kind of looks we see in practice and at the camp here, we should take everything we see with a grain of salt and not immediately jump to, oh, this is what it's going to look like on opening night. Yeah, but I would I would suggest to you, Christian, that uh, the you know it won't look like this on opening night because Mark Shifley won't be playing. He has that one more game to serve from his suspension uh, from uh, Game One of the Montreal series. So you know they'll they'll be juggling right off the hop. But uh, I would think that these at least the top two lines and and possibly even uh, uh, you know the top three lines that we saw today could be pretty close uh, to, to what we'll see on, on opening night. And and then the second game in San Jose, when if everybody stays healthy, it'll be all hands on deck because Mark Shafley would be back in there. But just for those uh, who might not have seen uh, the multiple reports and line combinations that were shared via social media earlier today, Mark Shifley was between Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, and then Pierre-Luc Dubois skated on a line with Andrew Kopp and Nikolai Ehlers. And that was the line that really stood up for me, Christian, because uh, I think that if the Jets are going to be successful this year, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, and he knows it, everybody knows it, he has to be better, and he is very confident he will be. But, you know, they they need that second line uh, to be very consistent, and and certainly productive, uh, so that it doesn't all just fall on that uh, uh, Shafley, Wheeler, and Connor line. Adam Lowry between Christian Veselina and Paul Stasny, line three, and then Nash, yes. Veshnikov, and Harkins was line four, and then we go down from there. I, just a, a note on Dubois. Uh, for me, you can look at all kinds of storylines heading into camp. For me, that's the number one storyline, I think, is Dubois and his look for redemption he talked uh, today we heard the clips earlier in the show uh, he sounds very confident he sounds like he he didn't have the physical tools in his toolbox that he normally had last year and you could just imagine a switching teams in a season is tough enough but during a covid season there's so many different uh, factors and not to make excuses he said but the reality is he gets a chance to have a full training camp with his team and have a fresh start and really feel like he's part of this team that maybe he didn't last year well, you know, and, and I don't know if you heard it in the clip or not, Christian, but certainly, you know, there's times when an athlete is talking and then you hear a certain something in their voice. And when he talked about just not going back to the hotel at three o'clock and staying yeah. in your room until you got up the next morning, like you should have seen the look on his face when he talked about when he talked about you know, how it was last year. And again, none of these athletes are looking for pity or sympathy, but what they are telling you is, you know, the, and he mentioned it, the important dynamic of a team is spending real good time with each other. You know, whether it's going out for dinner or whether it's, uh, you know, going to a movie or whether it's, uh, you know, going to someone's house, uh, you know, and, and, and playing cards or PlayStation or whatever it is that they do, you know, and, and all of that was out the window. So, and the other thing that really strikes me with him too, Christian, I, I, when I hear him, I often forget this guy's only 23 years old. Yeah, 
He's got no. a long way to go. I mean, yeah, he was but he's but he, he, twenty three. Yeah, he's but you know he he speaks with such maturity. Yeah, uh, and and he does not shy away at all uh, from you know what happened a year ago. And, and, of course, one of the questions that was pitched to Paul Maurice today uh, was, you know, when do you think the narrative on Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to end, you know, the narrative about last year? And, you know, Paul kind of said, well, that's sort of up to you guys. But I think it's also sort of up to Pierre-Luc. Um, I don't know how many preseason games he's going to get. And I'm not saying that he has to go out and score a hat trick in the first game that uh, uh, that he plays, but he has to be noticeable for the right reasons. I think uh, very early, so that he puts all of that talk to sleep. I agree, Kelly. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, we'll stay in touch as we go through training camp. Absolutely, you bet. Can't wait for tomorrow. We are starting a series every week with the Winnipeg Westman. Every Thursday, telling you stories of athletes and people involved with the program. And it's fitting that it starts tonight with this first leg of the Duckworth Challenge, though it did not go their way. Part of a five-game series, a reminder, the Duckworth Challenge. They'll also play in men's and women's basketball, men's and women's volleyball. And we begin our series with a chat with their athletic director, Dave Crook who I talked to earlier today, and I started by asking him how it feels to be back with intercollegiate sports. It's unbelievable, you know, after the last, you know, 20 months where we basically, you know, didn't see our athletes, we didn't see them train. It was just, you know, such a frustrating year for them. And then to slowly see them, you know, coming back to the Ducker Center and the Recplex and seeing the smiles on their faces, it's just a, you know such an uplifting feeling. We've had a couple soccer games so far. Got out to see them play, and that's been wonderful. So, yeah, it's just such a positive thing. And uh, this will be airing during the game tonight between the the Bisons and Westman, the first leg of the Duckworth Challenge. How important is it that this event is back after almost two years? I mean, it's, I think it's incredibly important. I think for one thing, university sport, you know, is important. But I think for us. The, the rivalry, the built-in competition of having, you know, a school right across town. It's just, it's something totally different. And I think the fact that, you know, the, the legacy of Dr. Duckworth in this community and what he meant to education and athletics in this community, it's just so appropriate that, you know, it's something that's named after, you know, one of our presidents and, and their chancellor. It's just such a, a great competition. And, you know, I can tell you after coaching in it for a long time, there's nothing better than playing against Manitoba, and when you're in, wearing red and black beating Manitoba, there's no better feeling. I imagine it's kind of like the, the Bombers and Riders. Even if you're having a rough season, if, as long as you beat them, it kind of makes everything go down a little easier? Yeah, I think so. I remember my first year when I came here, and we played Manitoba our, our, for the first time on a Thursday night, and I was out after, and I ran into a prof from the U of W who I didn't know, and he said something to me, and he said, you know, in the end, Dave, the only thing that really matters is as long as you beat Manitoba. So, you know, even people in the community and our boosters think that way. So, yeah, there's, there's something special about playing them. And the reality is most of the players on opposing teams grew up playing together, playing against each other, because the majority of athletes, not just on the soccer teams tonight, but on the basketball and volleyball teams are from Winnipeg and Manitoba. Yeah, and they know each other, and I think that really adds something to it. You know, and I think 
the coaches are really familiar with each other. So it, it, it runs deep and it runs deep in the community and it just makes for, you know, something very special. And yeah, it's great to play Brandon and it's great to play, you know, our interprovincial rivals and our rivals from Saskatchewan. Those things are important, but there's nothing better when, you know, you know, instead of turning left to come to the game tonight, you turn right, you go cross town. What have you heard from players, coaches, parents in the last few weeks about the excitement to be back at sports and just the, the relief as well that things seem are seemingly closer to normal right now? You know, I think there there is a sense of normality. And certainly when they got on the field of play, you know, they're not wearing masks. They're doing something that they've done their whole life that they're so familiar with. And uh, so it, it can lead to sort of a little sort of topsy-turvy world for a little bit because you have that hour or two hours where you're where you were two years ago and then you come back to a sense of normality once that game ends so i i think it's been very positive we don't have a lot of concerns you know canada west now all the athletes all the officials um you know indoors all the spectators everyone in and around the game are fully vaccinated you know which gives you a some sense of of uh, security and we're being very vigilant in terms of you know, COVID and and uh, you know the, this new variant that is just so contagious. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful for the athletes. You can just tell the 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 smiles and the looks on their face. And sometimes practice isn't always the most wonderful time for them. But right now, there's no complaints when they're on the practice floor. And that's a question some might have: is right now it's soccer, it's outside, no problem for spectators going outside. But uh, once you're inside the Duckworth Center for basketball and volleyball, everyone that's going in has to be vaccinated. Yeah, we, we have a vaccine mandate on campus, so everyone has to be fully vaccinated who comes on our campus in the first place. So whether you're a student, a faculty member, or you know a member of public who's coming into something into the Duckworth Center, they're going to have to be fully vaccinated, just like we're doing at soccer where we're checking people's vaccination when they come in to watch even in the outdoor facility indoors you know we'll have social distancing regulations masking regulations and of course vaccine how excited are you for all this i'm super excited i'll tell you it was a weird you know weird time i've been um involved in university sports since 1979 so uh to have a year where there was basically nothing it was very very difficult and uh you know, frustrating. And now to be back, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's wonderful. That's all I can say. What kept you going? What kept me going, knowing the fact that it hopefully said at some point we would be back doing things. You know, we kept working. We kept trying to do things. The coaches tried to stay engaged as, you know, with their students as much as they could. They met with them. They organized training, you know, so the athletes were doing things at home and doing as much as they could. You know, I mean, our basketball teams, for example, because of the regulations were different in all the different sports, they didn't train for 13 months, 13 months without uh, any, without a practice. So, you know, and, and for these student athletes who basically, since they're what, you know, toddlers, four or five years old, most of them have been involved in sport and to go, uh, just more than a year without training. I can't even imagine what that would be like in their lives. So, uh, you know, and in my life, it was pretty frustrating not to not to see them. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, and last year, even like when the Western Classic was on, I came to the Duckworth Center that day, and it was just such a, 
cold, miserable thing being here all by myself, and uh, it really brought home the fact that we weren't uh, we we weren't active. You mentioned you've been involved in university sports for many decades. Where does that passion come from for you? I think from you know my family and my brothers, and they were so uh, engaged in sport. And I, you know, my one brother was uh, was quite an athlete, and I, I started going to. You know, and I hate to say this, but I started going to Bison games when I was 12 years old. I'd take the bus from Elmwood across town by myself and go watch the Bisons play. And and, uh, I just got really involved. And uh, a good friend of my brother's was the manager of the Bisons basketball team back then, who later went on to uh, work with Jack Donahue in the national team and uh, coached the University of Ottawa. And uh, he really got me engaged in that. My Irv Hanek, who was my high school phys ed teacher, was a was a great member of the basketball community in Manitoba. So yeah, I just got involved young, and and uh, I loved coaching. I started coaching when I was just a kid. Coached my first team at the age of twelve, and uh, and then I never I've never stopped. How rewarding do you find your job? I mean, my job's incredibly rewarding. You know, I'm 63 years old, and you know, I I have constant contact with 18 to 25 year olds who just keep me young and keep me motivated and it's just so they're so energized and they're so positive and they see life differently and I think it allows me sometimes to to look at life differently I'm very blessed to be in the situation I'm in I work with fantastic people every day the coaches the other staff you know here in my office but then to get the chance to interact with you know, not many people my age get the chance to interact with all these young people from all across Canada and, you know, from around the world. We've got some athletes from outside of, uh, out of the side of the country and, and it just, it just changes your perspective on life and it's, it's very, uh, uh, it's just very motivating, very affirming. I'm, I'm just so happy and positive. Well, Dave, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this. Good luck with everything and I guess we'll uh, probably see you at the soccer game on Saturday. Yeah, we're looking forward to see you Saturday. And you're, you're calling the game for us, so that's fantastic. We'll see yep. you then. That's Dave Crook. He is the athletic director of the University of Winnipeg. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share